Fantastic. So, yeah, Mark, everybody, say hi. Thank you. Hi. And uh, so, Mark, I, um, I want to go back to, to maybe around the autumn of 2017, so about 18 or so months ago, and uh, September, October, November, that time. How would you describe yourself then in terms of on the faith scale? So, kind of Christian, definitely not. What would you call yourself? I was definitely not. I was a firm atheist, and I knew I would never change. <laughs> you knew. I knew. I knew. I was firm in my belief. Okay. So, uh, and, and, and like, had that been for quite a long time? Yeah. Um, so, I used to go to church as um, a boy, um, but I would say around back when I was 18, so okay. probably about the best part of 20 years ago. Just thought, that's nah, just... Yeah, I just, I, I, I thought I had all the answers myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, a little bit of a trigger point that started to raise some questions was at the Playbox Nativity. So um, Mark and his beautiful wife, Antoinette, they have this beautiful little boy, Eli, who's getting dedicated next month, which is going to be great. And Eli was in our Playbox, which is our playgroup that we run. And every Christmas, we do a Christmas nativity. So you and Antoinette came to the Christmas nativity. And uh, tell us a little bit about that and kind of what happened. And Yeah, so we went to um, yeah, the Playbox. Shout out, Playbox. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jeanette and Jackie, we love you. You're amazing. Uh, um, yeah, so I went there, like I said, as an atheist, and we watched the nativity, and it was yeah, it was really good. Enjoyed it, and then you came up to speak afterwards, and you told me since that you were dreading it. But I, was, I don't know yes. why. <laughs> I don't know why, because um, I, I think maybe it was the relaxed way you spoke, uh, you know, about God and just us being there. Um, I thought, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this actually. I could, uh, I wouldn't mind kind of like. You know, listening a bit more. Um, Great. Not many people say that to me, Mark, actually. No, so that's... I, I really imagine. appreciate that. Well, so, you, uh, you are paying me to say that. I am, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, you weren't supposed to say that. Yeah. But, uh. So, um, yeah, so after that, um, I, I'm not creeping. I, yeah. I said to like my mum, who was also there as well, I was like, I really like that. That guy was so relaxed, and it yeah. was just like... It more, made us feel more, welcome, more, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, and so then we come into Christmas, Christmas happens, and then a big shock happens after Christmas. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, my partner, Antoinette, uh, she has uh, lupus, um, and so she's been living with that for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does really well. But then Christmas Day, um, she really got sick. Um, so we, we took her to the hospital on Boxing Day. Obviously, wasn't going to ruin my Christmas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and... Um, and she got, uh, she got put on a stroke ward because they thought initially she had a stroke. She lost the power of speech and basically everything. All forms of communication couldn't write or anything like that. Um, and, it, and it just deteriorated, really. And I just, I was completely lost. Um, didn't know what to do apart from cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have visions of like, being a single parent and stuff like mm. that. Because she was really that, yes, that sick. Yes, it was very serious, wasn't Yeah. It? Um, and and I remember that they put her in like an MRI scanner at one point because they they had no idea what was going on either. Um, and I was I was just out of control. I just didn't know what to do. I was just there on my own. So me, the atheist, asked for the prayer room um, in the hospital. Uh, so I went to the prayer room, got down on my knees, and basically just begged for her life wow. from someone that I'd didn't believe denied. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I remember there was a, there was a cushion on the floor as well, like to kneel on, and I, I kind of moved it aside because I thought, no, I really need to be <laughs> quite wow. humble about this. Wow, mate. So it, well, that was a really big deal. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I didn't know what to do, just begging for her life, really. So what happened then over the next few days? And... So she was in hospital for um, a month um, before she was even like allowed home. She, she still wasn't better at that point, but um, the, the level of her recovery was... Just, uh, like, I've never seen anything like it. For, mm. for someone, I've never seen that ill. Mm. To get to the point where she could come home and, you know, carry on her recovery at home was, t- to me, it was a miracle. Mm. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, wow. Very thankful. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and uh, she's here today. I won't make you stand up, Antoinette, because you'll shoot me and stuff. But <laughs> she is here today. She's an amazing lady. <laughs> Um, and so then you started coming, to, it was about March time, didn't you? I think you started Yeah, so to she come. came home sort of mid-February and we came about end of March when we could all come together. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. And so, so that's so you started to come to church, but like you, would, like you, wouldn't, you wouldn't definitely, I remember us journeying and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but what was, what was it like for you coming to church? It's been a long time and then coming it's to Zio. It's been Zio, a long time. You... It, it's, a, it's, it's a church that I've never had the experience of. Like when, when I was a kid, it was kind of cold buildings and... All creatures great and small and all that. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So it was, um, but coming here, yeah, you got, I, I don't know, it just felt very relaxed. It was somewhere that you could come easily into and learn a bit more. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember, I think it was about September, so you'd been coming for about six months. And I remember to this day, because uh, when I always, and I'll do today, uh, create an invitation for people to say yes to Jesus for the first time. And you and I talked about your journey and, you know, where you're going to do that. But I remember you were right on the back row, and, uh, and you put your hand up and just said, yeah, can I, can I in? What, like, why that moment? Why? Because why? Um, I think we'd spoken a couple of weeks before, and I think, I, I can't remember what it was you were saying in, in that sermon, but it really rang home to me, and... Mm. I think it was about, like, you may not be ready to go all the way kind of thing, but just to take that first step. Yeah. And I felt, yeah, I am ready to take that first step. Amazing. And then you did the Alpha course. The Alpha course, yeah. Alpha that course. was very good. Yeah, so just tell everyone just briefly about the, uh, the Alpha course, what the Alpha course is. Uh, so the Alpha course was um, eight weeks. Um, so we got to, it was a group of about seven or eight of us. Uh, we watched a video that kind of explained a few things about God and different you know, beliefs around it. Um, and then we'd just talk about it for an hour and more often than not go off topic and stuff like that. But it was really good because for me, I, I'm, I've got a lot of questions. Yeah. So um, Phil's probably sick and tired of me asking <laughs> questions to him. But uh, yeah, so it was good, good to have some like, more information, more than I'd ever known before. So we run the Alpha course like every term. It's starting again in May. You've all got a little leaflet on your seat about it. And as Mark says, it's really relaxed. You have some food, you watch a video, and it's just a safe place to ask questions. And so you would, like, if there were people here who were just thinking, like, oh, this stuff sounds crazy. Like, the Alpha course is a good thing just to go and check yeah, out. Yeah, definitely, and... just to answer questions you may have. And it only costs a grand. So it's pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Yeah. You're not helping me, buddy. No, sorry. I'm not writing that check no, anymore. Totally free. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. That was a good course. Mark, you're a legend. Thanks for being brave and sharing Thank the you. story. Let's um, give him a big round of applause. Hold on, boy. Fantastic. And Willow. Where's Willow? Where's Willow? Willow, 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 where are you? Excellent. Come on, Willow. Can we just give her again a warm welcome to Willow? Fantastic. So, Willow, like, all of our stories are different, aren't they? And your story is different again. 
Yes. And I guess when, when we were preparing for baptism and you started sharing some of that stuff, I, I just thought, wow, this is, you're very brave and um, just be good for people to hear a little. So it looks like you're prepared. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go for it then? Okay. Um, so I came to faith when I, in 2011 when I was eight years old and I've been part of the church since I was a baby. During the year 2011, my life changed drastically and... It's okay. You take your time. It's all right. Do that all the time in the world. All right. Do you want me to hold it? Yes, please. And my mum was diagnosed with a terminally, terminal illness. As I was only eight years old, all I was told was that. Okay. You take your time, we're in no rush, all right? All I was told was that mum has a poorly heart and lungs. This slowly broke me and my faith was tested a lot. As I got older, I started to know more about the condition. Um, when I started in my new school in year five on my birthday, I remember leaving school early just to go to the hospital with my mum. I remember being very upset because I didn't want that to happen. A few years later, my faith was tested again as it became my mum's eyes and I learned to take her shopping. And through all of this and caring for my mum, it was a big eye-opener for me because I realised that you should never take your parents for granted. I think that was God's way of, of showing me how strong of a person I can be by believing in him and having faith that everything will get better. Through this whole situation, one thing that I was able to do was wear all my mum's designer bags and some of her clothes without her knowing. <laughs> Now that I'm at the age that I know... By the way, she knows now. Yes. <laughs> Just saying. Now that I'm at the age that I know and understand all about this condition, I have been able to get my head around the fact that it is terminal. Seeing as God has been keeping my mum alive, it has made me, my faith grow, and it has made me a strong, proud Christian that I am. And this is the reason why I've decided to get baptised. I felt this was the right time, and the Lord was telling me to get baptised to make more of a commitment to God. And I just wanted to say, for anyone here that is struggling today with anything that may be, I just want to say that you should never give up. And through the love of, of Christ, you, you, will, you will and can get through anything. Always have faith and keep praying until something happens, which will be an amazing testimony of its own. Fantastic. Willow, everyone. Wow, so bright. So this, this stuff is real, isn't it? Like, you can't, like you can't make this up. Um, it's real, thank you. And, um, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to believe. Uh, it's, it's hard to get our head around some of this stuff. That, that all across the world today, billions of people are celebrating that Jesus Christ is alive. And, and, and let's be honest, that's a hard thing to believe. It's like not every day that someone comes back from the dead. And, and I guess that's the point, isn't it? That it is an extraordinary, supernatural, miraculous thing. That's the kind of thing that only God could do. But I get it. If you're here today thinking, like, could that really be true? Is it hard? And, and actually, to, to encourage you, it was hard even 2,000 years ago. 
Why, even some of Jesus' closest friends found it hard to believe, despite the fact that Jesus said over and over again before he was crucified, in the whole year or so running up to it, he said to his disciples repeatedly, he said, I'm going to be arrested, I'll be tortured, I'll be executed, I'll be crucified, and on the third day, I'll rise again. He kept telling them, and yet when he was crucified, they kind of forgot the other part. They were devastated. They thought, game over. We thought he was going to save us, but he's dead. And, and then when Jesus does rise from the grave, and, and I'd encourage you, look into it. Check out Alpha like for yourself, because you probably will discover that the overwhelming evidence actually points to the authenticity of the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus did rise from the dead, and he's alive, and he is at work all across the world through his church today. But, but Jesus met some of his disciples, some of his friends, uh, but not all of them were there. And um, there was one guy who missed it. And I, I, um, I want to read to you just a few verses uh, just before we come to another song, just to reflect, just for a couple of minutes. And uh, so this is uh, from John's Gospel. And, uh, and at the time we pick up this story, a whole bunch of them have seen Jesus, but Thomas missed it. And it says this, One of the disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We've seen the Lord! But he replied, I won't believe it unless I seal the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound on his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Do not be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you see me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So there's all of... Thomas's friends, and they're saying, like, we believe Jesus is alive. And, and Thomas's request is a bit odd. Because he doesn't just say, if I see Jesus alive, then I'll believe. He says, if I see Jesus' scars, I'll believe. It's a weird thing. It's even weirder to think that the resurrected body of Jesus, when Jesus rose from the get dead, he had a new body. A new physical body that couldn't get sick and couldn't die anymore. And and it could eat and yet it seemed to be able to appear in in buildings out of nowhere. It was this spiritual, supernatural and yet very physical body. But it still has scars. What's that about? And why was it that Thomas needed to see the scars and not just see Jesus? And if we think about it, we probably know the answer. Because scars tell our story. Scars remind us of things we have been through. They remind us of what we have overcome. They have a meaning. So, for example, don't do this, by the way. If you come up to me um, in the coffee afterwards and you stare very closely at my forehead, you will see I have a little scar that's almost right in the middle of my forehead. And it's a chicken pox scar because I picked a scab. If you uh, see it up here, I've got another little scar up here on my head. You probably can't see. It's very, very small. I was playing football as a child in my nan and granddad's garden. And I was so busy looking at the football because I was an amazing footballer. (laughs) But I was so busy looking at the football, I missed the branch. And literally, I collided with a branch and got a piece of wood stuck in my head. 
And so I have a little scar there today from that. If you get very close, there's a tiny scar underneath this eye. It's, it's kind of hidden away by the cracks of old age. Thank you, Jesus. But I got this scar from, I was, I was using a screwdriver and I was screwing something up and it slipped and it went up my face, missed my eye, but it cut the, uh, the uh, eyelid underneath. And, and so all of those scars, those three scars, they have a story behind them. And that story has a meaning. So this scar, this means don't pick your scabs. This scar here, watch where you're going. This scar here, never do DIY. All of, my, all of my scars, they mean something. And that's what happened, my friends, when, when Thomas saw the scars of Jesus. He suddenly realized the story was all true. That this Jesus who had promised that he was going to go through death and be raised to life, he realized this story is true. And not only did he know this story was true, those scars, they meant something. And they meant that everything Jesus had said, that he loved Thomas. And he loved Thomas so much that he died for him, that he wanted to rescue him and restore him into a relationship with God. Thomas knew it was true. He was loved by God, the God who dies for him and rises for him. And no wonder then he responds so incredibly. He doesn't even need to touch them. He literally just falls on his knees and goes, you are my Lord and my God. You are everything you said, the God who still to this day, my friends, is known by his scars. You know, God never ever promised us that we would not go through life without being wounded. You, you have heard two stories of people who've been wounded and who have scars. If, if, if I'd have spoken to everyone, and I would have loved to have spoken to everyone today, you'll hear other stories who've gone, people who've gone through hard times, who have been wounded. God, God never promised it. In fact, Jesus said the very opposite. He said, in this world, you will experience pain and suffering because when we have rejected and refused God's way of life, then bad things happen in the world. It's not what God wants. It's not what God likes. And one day he will fix it once and for all. But the God who overcame death and rose again and has scars healed, comes to each of us today and says, I can heal your scars. I can heal your wounds. I can forgive your failures. I can help you overcome the things that have power over you. I can come alongside you and help you become everything you created to be. You were created to be, like we sang in the song, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to you to overcome whatever feels like death and darkness in your life. The God who heals our wounds, our stories are bound up in our scars. The God who brings life in the midst of the scars. How will we respond to a God like that today? Like, will we dare? And I'm going to offer to pray in just a moment for our, our song, and then we're, going to, um, then we're going to do the baptisms. Maybe today is the day for some of us to humbly, to humbly say, God, I am sorry. I'm sorry that I thought I knew better than you. Just like Mark, I thought I had all the answers. But actually, my way of life is not dealing with everything. I'm sorry that I rejected you. And I refused your very best. That, that we would be grateful enough to say, and God, not just sorry, but God, thank you. 
Thank you that you, even though I stuck my fingers up at you, you rushed in to rescue me. You died for me. You rose for me. And you want to restore that relationship. And that you're committed enough and bold enough and courageous enough and radical enough to say, and God, not just sorry, not just thank you, but God, help me. Help me every day for the rest of my life to overcome the darkness and death that surrounds me and the things that drag me down and to become everything you created me to be. A person who lives a life of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness, self-control, hope, joy, all of these things. Sorry. Thank you. Help. That's all it means, friends, very simply, to be a follower of Jesus. We're the ones who come to God every day and we say, God, I am sorry. Forgive me. Thank you that you love me. Help me to live differently. And so I want to pray that prayer. So I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads just for a moment. And, uh, and if you're here and for the first time you want to say, yeah, you know what? Just like Mark did. Just not even a year or so ago, just put up his hand to say, okay, I'm in. I've still got questions, but I want to say, Jesus, I'm sorry, but thank you and help. Then I'm going to ask you right now, and then I'm going to ask you to put your hands up, and then I'll tell you you can put your hand down, and then I'm just going to pray, and at the end, invite you to come up and just have a quick chat with me. So if there's anyone here today, you want to say, for the very first time, Jesus, I want you to be part of my life. I'm just going to give you a moment right now to do that. If you put your hand up right now. Is there anyone here? Every Christian praying. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Great. Fantastic. I see that. I see your hand over there. Wonderful. That's so good. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Let courage come. Just got Great. I see your hand there in the middle. Well done, my friend. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? There are two people here who are saying, yeah, I want to be fully in. I don't know. I know there are people right now in this moment who are thinking, I know I should say yes. There's nothing to fear. God is good. Lord, I, I thank you today of your great love for us. I thank you today that even you have scars but you're the God that heals the wounds. And the scars tell the story of a God who loves us and helps us overcome. Lord, we pray especially for our our dear,